On today's episode of Her Wild Outdoors, I'm lucky enough to have Cindy Stites back on the podcast, and we are going to talk a little bit about her article, Sightlines, Women, the Outdoors, Gender Bias. So uh, listen in, and we hope you enjoy it and get out of it exactly what Cindy meant behind this article and her passion for not just women in the outdoors, but hunters and anglers in the outdoors. All right, everybody, thank you for listening in to another Her Wild Outdoors. I am so lucky to have Cindy Stites back on uh, the podcast with us. And it's for a it's for a purpose because Cindy just wrote an article, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a second, but I, I wanted to kind of hear where you were coming from and what all you kind of had to fight through in writing this article. But first, I I just, for those who have joined the Her Wild Outdoors podcast, can you just give us a little bit of background, Cindy, on you and um, just a little bit of how you began in the outdoors, but also some of the things that you're involved in now, because I believe it gives clout to who you are. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if it's clout, but sure. so, <laughs> it's clout for me. Um, There's a little bit of muscle behind it. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I am from West Central Indiana, and I started hunting about 10 years ago. Uh, my boyfriend, Chance, I still sound silly calling him my boyfriend since we're like <laughs> mid to late 40s, but whatever. So my partner, Chance, uh, got me into hunting, and I, you know, it was tough at first. I didn't didn't really think I wanted to be a hunter. And then after I kind of got into it, I went down the rabbit hole and, um, it's kind of my life now. It's who I am. So I'm a Indiana hunter education instructor. I also teach, um, archery through our 4-H program in our state. And I am the director of education for a company called hunt to eat. Mm -hmm. It's a company out of Colorado. Uh, some people are pretty familiar with it. We, uh, started an education program this last fall and, Monting Patelis asked me if I would be willing to come on and, and run that portion of his company for him. So I basically set up curriculum to teach uh, new and novice hunters about conservation and hunting ethics and what it means to become a hunter. And then we run camps all over the country to take people out and uh, basically run them through that curriculum and firearm safety and range time. And then we take them hunting and kind of give them the, uh, real deal on what it means mm-hmm. to be a hunter and sit in the woods with them. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, I'm a member of, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many, I don't know how many, uh, <laughs> conservation organizations. I, it's like eight or nine, maybe yeah. 10. I don't know. I think but the last time we talked, it was just like this big list. And you and I both talked about the difficulty in saying no, especially when it backs up your passion. It's really hard to say no. It, it is hard. You know, mm-hmm. the ones I'm probably most involved in, um, the Indiana Turn in a Poacher program, I'm on the Citizens Advisory Board for that. That's near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm a life member of the Indiana Hunter Education Association. Again, super important um, org for me. And then also the um, International Caribou Foundation. I'm the uh, communications advisor. So those are probably the ones I'm most involved in. Yeah. Um, but I'm a paying member and, you know, try to support others uh, any way I can. Yeah. 
We've, uh, I think I've said it over and over and over in whether it's posts on Instagram or any kind of social media or in a podcast, we see so many more women in our, uh, in our community of hunting and fishing and just outdoors in general, but we need more teachers more female teachers because I think that that's where that's where you take that step that extra step maybe if we can say it that way where you're not just hunting you're not just taking but you're giving back and it's more hands-on and it's more involved and it's more um, it's not just the conservation side of it but you are actually being a part of creating the next generation of hunters. I agree. And it's funny, I take um, several new hunters out here in my community, and the majority of them are male. Uh, mm-hmm. They're young, young guys. Um, I've actually, there's a police officer from a nearby community, Brownsburg, that reached out to a friend of mine and asked her if she could reach out to me and get in touch with him to teach him how to hunt. So I think it's it's getting to be a little more commonplace that, mm-hmm. that men are willing to take instruction um, from women in this kind of community, yeah, it's it's still a stretch. Yeah, but I think that there's a little bit of progress made. I think, especially in your own community, like if it's a friend of a friend, there's a little bit more trust there, and they, you know, they have a little bit of a reference. Um, so, so maybe there's that's part of the reason that I've been able to kind of work with more men or or young men uh, in my area than normal. I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, in the big scheme of things and in the big picture of things, uh, you have the most influence, you have the most impact hands on within your community. Um, And it doesn't mean that our influence whether it's through conservation organizations or through podcasting or through writing, can't reach past that community. But as of right now, me getting outside and going and teaching a hunter's education class within my community will have so much more, like that would mean so much more to me than reaching somebody 10 states away and them going, oh, well, I can hunt. It's it's just that hands-on, you can actually take it from, hey, this is how you're supposed to do it, to, hey, let's go hunt, to, hey, let's go do this again. And it's just a continuance of that education. Absolutely. I think um, sitting right next to someone in the woods is a game changer. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can you can write blogs and write stories and do videos and all that all you want. And that's great. And and for some people, that's the only way they have to learn how to hunt. And that's, you know, that's unfortunate, but that's part of the reason these hunt camps are a thing now with hunt to eat. And it's also the biggest reason that I like to tell people, I'll take anybody hunting. If you want to go hunting, I will take you just mm-hmm. say the word. I mean, because I think you're going to get so much more, not because I'm a good hunter, but you're going to get so much more of going out and actually sitting through the process. Um, I can teach you what I know, but they're, you know, there's a lot of people out there that know a heck of a lot more about hunting than I do, but it's a starting point. Right. And, and, you know, I I think that hands-on experience is critical. Yeah. Well, and it takes us from just being a hunter into a step further in our own education. I, I will say it over and over that you can be You can learn, you can watch and learn, you can do and learn, but when you teach, you learn something that you cannot get 
in any other capacity. You can't, I, I cannot, the lessons that I've learned from teaching my kids or somebody else are lessons that I can't get by myself or or from somebody else teaching me. It's the application of it, but also the application in teaching, it almost buries it deeper and makes it something bigger than what it was before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's interesting that when I'm out with a new hunter and I'm talking about certain things, how much more I think about those things when I'm out by myself now. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's that whole thing, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Well, I want to do what I'm telling you. Exactly. I'm telling you, I'm trying to teach you the absolute best possible way or right way or ethical way or legal way to do do something. So, I mean, it just makes perfect sense that that's just going to make those convictions stronger for me. I'm going to be able to go out and, and, you know, walk the walk mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, preaching it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it also. So, and I'm a rule follower, which is really annoying to a lot of people. Because <laughs> it's almost to a fault, but I think it's important. You know, that's, that's where we draw our boundaries on, on where our ethical measure is and of a person and of a hunter and just in general. So I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to apologize for being a rule follower. (laughs) No, I think we talked about that last time too, that both of us are kind of like that. And and it is, I don't know. It's not that people are like, oh, you should break the law. It's just more of a, my T's are crossed, my my eyes are dotted. And it's, it's just something that I want to instill in those hunting around me as well, especially if they are behind me in the learning process. I don't ever want to be responsible for teaching an illegal habit to somebody. And so I would just rather be on the up and up and know all about it and and stay true to yes. the lawful yes. side of hunting because nobody is going to notice your rule following, right? Nobody is going to say, oh, she follows the rules to a T. But the second you mess up, it will ruin yeah. you. It yeah, will ruin. Absolutely. And I'm not talking reputation on social media. I mean, that will be uh, that will be hurt. But your it is what you stand by, it's mm-hmm. your values, it's it will hurt that person that you have worked so hard to become that one mistake will haunt you. And that's not worth it to me. No, absolutely not. And you know, I I work with a lot of kids through Hunter's Ed and through 4H and I have a lot mm-hmm. of um, friends now that are conservation officers in the state of Indiana and people that I really respect um, and look up to. And the last thing that I would ever want to do is disappoint anyone. Yeah. And not to mention myself. I mean, I dwell on things like I beat myself up for the stupidest things. I can't imagine how I would treat myself (laughs) if I, you know, did something wrong in the outdoors. So I don't, I don't take any chances and I don't want to disappoint my friends. I don't want to disappoint my dad. There's just, it's not worth it. I'm, no, I'm just, uh, yeah. And I think that it would affect me as a hunter. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think I would ever do anything purposeful, but to make a mistake uh, and look back and say, well, that could have been preventable. You should have known that. You should have investigated that. That should have been something that you, I, it would, it would make me take a step back. And I don't think that it would ever make me not want to hunt again, but I think that it would affect 
how I hunted in the future in a positive and negative way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's deep. (laughs) It takes us there, but it's true. And it's something that kind of went into the way that you want to not disappoint people when you and I were talking about this article. So the article was for the sporting report. It's called Sightlines, Women, the Outdoors, and Gender Bias. And you and I got to talk a little bit about this before it even um, was printed. And the way that you were going into writing this article, um, man, it was a struggle for you. I mean, I felt and empathized with you with the whole process of going into it. And and I don't want to speak for you. I want you to talk a little bit about it. But I do want you to start with, before it came out, the process of writing it, how did it come about? And then I do want you to talk about the struggle of what you were deciding to put into it and not put into it and how it you wanted it received and how you didn't want it received because that's really important. Um, how it came about, I was talking with Ben Shadley, who is, um, he's the editor for the BR Shadley sporting report. We were talking about ideas for different articles and I randomly mentioned, you know, I, I'd like to maybe throw the idea out there to some of the people I'm friends with on social media about gender bias, just, you know, what things have they experienced in the outdoors that they felt like have held them back or that were a disadvantage or just, um, some, you know, maybe that they felt just were unfair. And, and I know life's not fair. I get that. But yeah. I think. Um, we all understand. We all understand that gender bias is across the board. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't, it's, it's not just, yeah, it's just a thing. Yeah. Yep. It's a thing. And I had dealt with it extensively in my career in horticulture. Um, I was in horticulture for 25 years before I uh, exited and went to hunt to eat and joined the um, hunting community or industry, whatever you want to call it. And it was something that I had ignored probably for the better part of my life. I was always active in sports and um, I just always around guys and just around the comments and innuendo. And I always just blew it off. Like I never paid attention to it, Mm -hmm. but I think as you get older, um, things shift and your, your mindset shifts a little bit. You come into who you are, especially, and I know everybody says this, but when you get into your forties, I don't know why, but you go through this like magical, um, sliding door that your, your, your whole thought process shifts on what's important to you. Um, Yeah, I agree. Some people, maybe it's earlier. Some people, maybe it's later in their forties, but things just started to run me the wrong way a little bit. And I would get frustrated that I've been dealing with this for so long and I've never said anything and I kept letting it eat at me. And, you know, I just never spoke up for myself or anybody else for that matter. You know, I'd hear things and just blow it off and not pay attention to it. So when I started to hear stories of women in the hunting and angling communities, having issues with going to a gun counter and being ignored or going to a gun counter. And the first thing the guy gets out of the case is a pink pistol mm-hmm. or, um, you know, being pushed off of a hunting so- uh, spot or and just, you know, clothes that don't fit 
clothes that aren't built with the same durability as a, as a men's line by the same company. Right. I started hearing those things and I thought, gosh, it's happening here too, because, you know, hunting is what I do for pleasure. And now I'm finding the same frustrations that I had in my career and in the workplace in what I do for fun. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think I just reached a breaking point that I'm like, I want to talk about it. So Ben said, okay, let's, let's explore it. So I put a post out on my social media feeds on Facebook and Instagram and maybe even on LinkedIn. Uh, But anyway, I asked the question, you know, for women specifically, do you have any instances or uh, scenarios that you want to talk to me about that you want to share? I can use your name, not use your name right now. I'm just kind of get, get feedback. And I had, um, probably over 50 women Mm -hmm. email me, message me, call me, text me with different stories. And when I compiled everything into a word document, I took everything everybody sent me, compiled it into a word document. It was almost 12,000 words of stories from women. Yeah. And I, I, I was frustrated. I was excited that I had the feedback because I thought, man, this is going to give me a lot of material to work with. But at the same time, it was heartbreaking to read a lot of these stories. And so many of them were similar. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, this is a problem, like a serious problem. So I talked to Ben again and he questioned whether it should be one piece. He thought maybe we should break it into segments. And so he wanted me to write kind of an intro which was where you and I had first touched base right? on the intro. And I had agonized over this intro because I wrote it. I rewrote it and I rewrote it. I don't know, probably four or five times. <laughs> and I was sick over it. I, mean, I know. Like physically sick because I wanted to make sure it was not degrading to men, mm-hmm. which is so ironic because I'm writing about the fact that so many women have been degraded, but I was so careful and conscious that I didn't want to do the same thing to, to you know, possibly the same men that are doing that to us. So, right. I well, you didn't want to be hypocritical, right? Because no, that's the last thing. Yeah. You, one of the quotes that you put in it was at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of my life, I want to be able to say that I contributed more than I criticized. And that's a, a Brian Brown quote, but everything that you had put out to me was this isn't, this isn't the majority, like you didn't want to come across as overgeneralizing men in our community. Yeah, Like that was the biggest thing. I don't want this to overgeneralize this, like almost every woman has had to deal with this. Not every woman, but almost every woman, but it's not on a daily basis. It is not on... But that was the biggest thing. I don't want this to come across as a big wine fest of this is what we have to deal with every single man out there because it's not the truth. And uh, yeah. I felt like and, we did a good job of that. Yeah. And so the so I felt like and I know I think you brought this up and I think your husband brought this up that I was almost defending myself. Mm-hmm. too much before I even put a piece out, you know, yeah. like, like it, I was trying to justify why I wanted to write it, mm-hmm. but I was almost apologizing ahead of time for writing it yeah. and defending why I was writing it. And it just <laughs> wasn't necessary. It, 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 no. And it, but I, but I couldn't get past. I know. Cause I, and let me explain why. So I have a lot of, um, 
my entire life, I've, I've always been closer to men and better friends with men. I just never, until I got into my forties, oddly enough, I've never had really strong relationships with women. So I had all these guys that I'm friends with and, and there's many men in the hunting community that I look up to, that I've learned from, that I've watched, like Randy Newberg is one of them. I, I would never want to generalize somebody like Randy Newberg into a group of guys that's not doing it right. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I, so I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, all these guys that I look up to so much, the last thing I want to do is pigeonhole them into a group of jerks who are doing it wrong. And I couldn't get that out of my head. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I mean, and that even comes all the way down the line to doesn't have to be somebody famous, but it's like local people that I've learned from even chance. I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody. So I sent the piece back to Ben and he felt like we needed to get a little bit of feedback from some local folks that he knew to see that we weren't just completely off base. Right. So he sent it out to some people he knew. I sent it out. I sent it to you and a Mm -hmm. a couple other, a handful of people, uh, Travis Thompson in Florida. I sent it to you. I sent it to SJ Keller in Montana. I wanted a broad range of people to look at this and get some, you know, feedback from different parts of the country. And then when I talked to Travis the next time, or not Travis, to Ben the next time, he had a lot of reservations. He was like, uh, yeah, I don't know about this. And I, it was like a kick to the gut. Yeah. And I'm not, I wasn't mad at him. I was mad, but I wasn't mad at him. He's the editor. He has to make these decisions and I have to you know, be okay with that. But he was questioning whether he wanted to publish that at all. He got feedback from two men and it was not good. They said it was abrasive and it was a little bit too harsh and it was felt like I was just piling on on men. And um, we had a very, very long heated discussion um, on a Thursday night that, I mean, I would say my voice was raised several times and I wasn't like yelling at him. I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at the whole scenario because I felt like, and maybe I was wrong, but personally, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Right. I'm trying to write this piece about why, you know, maybe women don't have a voice or women aren't respected as much or women don't have the same clout in this industry. And you're telling me that two guys read it and they don't like it. So now you're thinking of not publishing it. That's mm-hmm. like completely justifying <laughs> the piece yeah. that I'm writing. And right. I, just, I wanted right. to scream. So we, we agreed to, um, potentially just put it out the way it was. We got off the phone. Chance and I went to Siani swim meet. I tried not to think about it. Uh, the next day, I believe it was when I called you and I don't know if I was in tears when we talked, but I know I was in tears prior <laughs> or after when we talked. <laughs> because I'm so I sorry. Just, I, I just, I, I, I was like, I'm starting over. I'm yeah. starting over. And I, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, Amy, I got shingles while I was going through this process. Yeah. Like shingles. Who does that when they're writing an article? I was so in like, just my heart was into this so much 
but I wanted it to be done right. Yeah. You well, know? it's like Ben and, said at the beginning of the article, Cindy Stites pens an essay no one wants to write. And it's not because it, yeah, <laughs> it's not because it didn't need to be written. It's because it's such a touchy subject. It's such a uh, it's it's one of those it needs to be said, but who wants to say it? Well, Cindy's gonna say it. And it it threw you for a and it threw you up and down and over. It was like a roller coaster of emotions and feelings of how do I do this right? How yeah. do I do it right? It's not how do I not offend people? It's how I don't, it's how do I do it right? How do I do it justice? How do I give justice not only to the women who have been through this shit, if we're being honest, Mm -hmm. but also how do I do it justice to the men who aren't doing that? Exactly. That's the balance. And it's really hard to find the balance in that because how do you tell truth of negative things without then making those who aren't doing those things feel like it's an attack on them. I'm targeting them. Yeah. I had a lot of of guys respond to my original Mm -hmm. inquiry and I was shocked, but you know, they were, they were for the most part. Yeah. I I believe this happens. Yeah. We've got to do better. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, a couple guys say, I've never seen this. Like, I don't know where you're seeing this at, but I've just never seen this happen. This doesn't happen in my circles. Um, and that's great that they don't see it, but are they, and I, I have to be careful. See, here I am again. I'm, I'm like apologizing before I say what I'm going to say, but I have to, I have to wonder, are they not seeing it or are they not realizing what they're seeing? Yeah. It's so commonplace that they, they don't realize exactly that the jokes aren't funny or right. or whatever. You know what I mean? So Well, we had that conversation, right? And I told you my husband after reading it said you know, he did feel that twinge of defensiveness of mm-hmm. yikes, ouch, that bit a little bit. But it was more along the lines of at the end of it coming to it and saying, Okay, that made me stand back and reevaluate. Because even though he sees what's happening to me on sometimes a daily basis, he also doesn't realize that when he's with just his guy friends that there are jokes made or there are not at my expense, but just small things that are said that he kind of then catches that it's just something that has happened over generations and it's just passed down those funny jokes or those funny whatevers. But now that he has a wife who hunts solo, who is in the industry, who is speaking out for women that he's realizing, okay, they're not necessarily mean, but they're not necessarily a positive support. And so it's just that self-realization, that self-check of, okay, I'm all for supporting women in the outdoors, but do I need to kind of evaluate where I am? And I think that that's where he saw it as a good thing um, to be able to say, okay, why am I feeling defensive? Is it because I have, 
you know, been a part of this? Or is it because I am feeling defensive for the women that this is happening to? Like, where is this feeling coming from? And I think that that's a positive way for men to read this article. I agree. Um, It's some Mm self-realization. It's a self-check, if you will. Um, You know, I'm not... I'm not asking guys that go off to deer camp or turkey camp or duck camp or bear camp or whatever. I'm not asking them to uh, change who they are. I'm asking that just be respectful of the women that are in your space. Yeah. Um, We don't want to be put on a pedestal. We just want to be treated like you would want to be treated. I think is the fairest, you know, it's that whole thing do unto others as you would have done to you. I did. Yeah. Why should hunting be any different? I mean, right. but, but the article itself, I did the rewrite. I mean, I rewrote it and yeah, it you ended did. up being so <laughs> long. And that was probably the only part that I was disappointed with, with the whole thing in the end was the length because I'm afraid I lost people, but it had to be that long. And I say that because the, the women who put themselves out there and shared their stories with me, they deserved to have the space I agree. to tell their story. And maybe this is the only space they were going to feel comfortable putting it in. Um, and I don't blame them because I got some pretty nasty, <laughs> pretty nasty feedback from uh, several people. So I don't blame them for not wanting to put it on their own social account or write their right. own article. Or right. I don't blame them for that at all. And I, I just feel like if I was going to go for it, I was going to go full bore and put it all out there. And, you know, the, the phrase, um, what was it? Stale male and pale or stale pale and male, whatever. I didn't coin that. Yeah. I put it in the article, but I've heard leaders of conservation organizations mm-hmm. specifically use that term that says we've got to change the face of our organization. Like yeah. we, we, you know, we have to be more in, inclusive and diversify and, change the face of the room. Yeah. And that well, doesn't I didn't coin that, but no, people uh-uh. didn't like it. Woo. But they, I think that a lot of people, like I think a lot of people read that as in, we need to give them the space, even though they haven't earned it. And that is far from what we believe. Right. Um, I, I fully believe that it's, I don't know if it was you that said this or somebody has said this, but I don't want a spot just because it is, labeled for me. I want a spot yep. because I've earned it. I want, I want to just check a box. Heck no. I, I, mean, I think don't that, check that a box is to let me do something. No, I, I think know. that's more disrespectful to me than, than not giving me a spot at all. I think that if I earn a spot there, then I deserve to be there. I don't want yeah. to be given the chance just because I have an X in my chromosomes. Like that's don't, don't do that. That, I definitely want to have an earned spot at a table in a conversation, Um, whether it's because I'm new or because you value my input or because I've heard from so many women. I mean, when we were talking and I even talked to Ben as well and having spoken to and interviewed, you know, over 60 women over the past year and a half and having those conversations, I have heard the stories that you have written about. They've happened to me. And I will tell you, there's a difference between the women who, and and I don't, 
there's nothing wrong with either way of hunting, but there's a difference between women who are invited to hunt or or maybe hunt on their own because they decide to once or twice a year and they go with their husbands or their significant other or a friend. Um, and that's just something that they do. They go once or twice a year and it's fun and they've enjoyed it. And that's that is what they do. I think there's a difference between women who hunt like that and women who hunt uh, alone or they hunt um, multiple different ways of hunting. Uh, if they are in the industry, if they are having conversations with the higher ups, if they are involved with education, like the more that you get into it, the more things like this will happen. So it's the the more you push in, the more you lean in, the more you're involved, the more often you're going to see these things happen. And it's just because of, you know, the time that you're putting into it, in my opinion. No, I think you're 100% right. And I brought that up to Ben and a few other people because um, – so if you, if you ran this article past people in Indiana, let's just take Indiana. It's my state. I'll take the heat for it. Indiana is primarily private ground. Right. There's public Hoosier Nationals down south. There's a couple other uh, places that you can hunt that are public. But <clears throat> so if you take um, your average woman who goes out hunting, like you said, just a few times a year, or they only hunt their family property they don't go anywhere else to hunt. They don't hunt public. They don't leave the state to hunt. They just hunt the property that they have either married into or grown up on or been handed down or whatever. Mm -hmm. They will not experience the stuff that I talked about in this no. article because they are not subjected to running into strangers. Um, there is a possibility, and I'm not saying that this is across the board, but there is a possibility that the firearms that they are using or the archery equipment they were using was gifted to them right. from their husband or their significant other or their family, or it was handed down. So I had to reiterate over and over that not every woman's experience is the same. Right. Um, but you can't disregard somebody else's experience just because it didn't happen to you. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah running this story by women in my local area, they're like, I've never, this has never happened to me. I, I've never experienced this. I've been doing this for my entire life and I've never had this happen to me. Not one single time. Okay. And I'm enough. grateful for that. Right. We're very yes, grateful for that. Be grateful for that. Yes. Be thankful for that yeah. because if you are fully immersed and you're hunting out of state, you're hunting public land, you are doing a lot of stuff on your own, like purchasing your own firearms, purchasing your own archery equipment, going to the archery shops, you know, even angling uh, mm -hmm. fly shops, whatever it is. The more you go out and do that on your own and the more immersed you are, it will happen to you. I mean, right. I, just, I hate to say that, but it's you're going to experience it one way or another and it, it sucks. So just, okay, it hasn't happened to you, but at least have it in the back of your mind that if you go do these things, it's a possibility and just how are you going to deal with it? Right. You know, think about, think about what other people have experienced and just kind of prepare yourself a little bit. I'm not saying don't do it. Don't be afraid to go out and do these things, but just realize that, you know, it's, it's not going to always be super easy. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a struggle at times. And for the women that have never had that struggle and they've never dealt with the pushback, 
more power to you. You, yeah. you guys are so fortunate and that's fantastic. And I love that for you. And I wish but that that could be for everybody. In. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not. Absolutely. I think I was just talking with Mel. Um, her podcast came out um, this past week, a week and a half ago. And uh, we were talking about the red flags that you need to watch when walking into an archery shop as a woman specifically, or as a youth walking into a shop, trying to find something uh, that works for you because we are built differently. And because the the shops haven't really reached a, a place where the majority of their clientele are female or youth, that they're not really prepared some of them are, but a lot of them aren't really prepared to meet you where you are in a health standard. Like we're not even talking uh, just aesthetics, but on mm-hmm. a health standard of reaching you where your body is to keep you healthy and shooting a bow. And so um, across the board, whether you are shooting for hunting a bow or you're hunt or you're shooting for recreation or competitively, we talked about that. And those red flags are really important to kind of keep on a checklist in your brain when you're walking in. Okay, this and this goes goes for a gun shop, it goes for um clothing, it goes for equipment, all of the above, that if those red flags are hit, to not be afraid to walk out. It doesn't yeah. mean that we have to respond negatively or to be a smart ass or um, or you don't be need to rude blast back. Them on social media. Yeah, or, yeah no, exactly. it, it doesn't. Leave. It doesn't mean that, but it means that the power that you have as an individual, man or female, um, walking into a place and being able to walk out without purchasing something, um, that is okay. And that's yeah. your that is your uh, response that you can have that that keeps the power to you. That it doesn't have to be ne- a negative response. It can just be walking out and not giving them your business and waiting instead of purchasing something that you're going to hate. Uh, I think that that's one way. I mean, you and I have talked. I've walked into a gun shop to to buy a gun and the first response was, oh, are you buying this for your husband or your boyfriend? Mm-hmm. And when my son, who was with me, said, no, my mom's a hunter. This is for her. I mean, I didn't even say it. The yeah. men behind the counter laughed. Like they laughed in our face. And the more I kept leaning in and trying to be respectful and and trying to, you know, stay on the up and up and say, no, this is the gun that I would like to buy. They were then trying to upsell me on something that I didn't need or want. I had already done my research, already knew what I wanted. And at that point in time was when I kind of took a breath. And I could have just nailed them with insults and and negative responses, but that kind of lowers me to their level. And again, this goes for men or women when you're walking into a shop and being treated disrespectfully. But for me, at that point, the power that I had was to not give them my business. Absolutely. Was to just walk out. And yeah, it felt cruddy. Yes, I got back in the car and I was like, how dare they? Especially in front of my son. It was so disrespectful. But at the same time, my son watched me walk away. 
and have the yeah. higher ground. And and I think that that kind of goes with, I don't know, when we're on public land, it's a little bit different because there's a protection aspect of it, right? There's a, um, I think I fear other people out on public land versus any animal that's out there. Um, and so there, there's a different way that I respond out there. But for the most part, the power that I have when dealing with situations like that is just to walk away. And, uh, and I think that that's what my son got to see was they didn't have the power any longer. And, and like you've said over and over, this doesn't happen to everybody. And I've walked back into the same place and been treated with respect by other gentlemen. And so I don't know. It's just it's hit or miss. And like like I said to Ben and to you, this article wasn't necessarily and you yourself have said it. It's not to put fear into women for hunting or fishing, or doing this, or leaning into it. It's not to put fear into them. It's to say, hey, this is out there. This You might need to be prepared for this so that your response isn't a response of retaliation or anger or anything like that, that you are prepared for a positive, upstanding, respectful response back because we don't want to deal back what they give. I agree. And I... I I dealt with some of the same stuff with some of the responses and, and comment sections after this article was published and I shared it on various social media sites and um, Matthew Newberg shared it on Randy Newberg's hunt talk forum. And I got beat up pretty good there. Um, yeah. And, and there were so many, I did, I just, first of all, I said, I wanted to stay out of the comment section. I was not going to go into other forums no. and read the comments because mm-hmm. I just, it, there's no sense in it. I, mm-hmm. I stand by what I wrote. I felt confident about what I wrote and I, you know, I wasn't going to apologize for that, but <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help myself one day and I got in there and there was one guy who, I mean, wrote a horribly long commentary about how awful the article was and none of it was justified and this, that, and the other. And at the end of it, he said something to the effect of, if I was stuck in a hunting camp with her, I would probably chew my foot off in the middle of the night to get away from her. <laughs> and I was just like, well, number one, dude, I don't think you're putting a lot of thought into this because if you chew your foot off, you can't you're not going to run very far. No. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that. And then, but it wasn't just for men. I had some women that just, you know, like I said, they didn't agree with it because they felt like it's never happened to them. So they thought it was just an over-exaggeration. I had one woman say that uh, she thought that I came off very offensive Hmm. and embittered and she didn't want to be around me either. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's fine. And then she went on to say that um, she implied that the way I, the way I carry myself and the way I represent myself is probably why I don't have any respect in the hunting community. And I thought, well, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's what <you> <laughs> that's your opinion. Yeah. I mean, you don't know me, so that's, yeah. you know, that's fine. So keeping it, keeping it positive and mm-hmm. just trying to encourage women um, to be strong and to stand their ground and to, to do what they love, go do what you love. If you love to hunt, you love to fish, you love to climb, you love to hike. Don't ever let snarky remarks, make you feel like you don't belong right 
um, because it's just not true. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the hunting community, women, I mean, obviously the statistics show, and I don't, I couldn't begin to tell you what they are, but they show that women is the fastest growing group in the hunting community. So we're not going anywhere. Right. I mean, and women have been hunting. I think the, um, the expedition that found, uh, bones from a woman from like 12,000 years ago. Yeah. It was a woman and it was a hunter. So it's not like this is brand new. Yeah. The influx maybe is new, Mm -hmm. but we've always been here and we're not, we're not leaving. So just, you know, just be kind and that doesn't matter. Man, woman, black, white. If you see somebody in the outdoors, just be kind and, and be respectful and, you know, be helpful. If you want to be helpful, if you don't want to be helpful, just walk away, but don't be disrespectful. No, it's true. And I think the article in itself is like we have said over and over, it's certain women that this has happened to. And it, again, is the more that you're in it, the more you are going to see it. Um, I think that when you put yourself out there and you say things, you're going to receive backlash. You're going to receive different opinions. We had an article go out in Fox News. And I think that some of the comments were, you know, hilarious at best. And at worst, they were replacing huntress with the C word or the C letter in front of it. But at the end of the day, those opinions, those comments are coming from people who don't know you individually. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you stand for. They don't know how much you have put into the community. And so honestly, they don't have a bite. They have a bark, but not a Mm -hmm. bite. Some of the best advice that I have received in being in the podcast world and, and having a voice is that you're not always going to make everybody happy. And that's okay. Because if you made everybody happy, then that means you are yielding your opinion and your standards to whoever you're talking to instead of standing true to who you are. And again, at the end of the day, that that bark isn't as loud unless we let it be loud. So I... It's staying away from the comment section, I think, is very important. Um, Individual conversations on the phone or in person, whether you agree or not with me, I think that I value those even more. And I think that for the most part, I walk away from those conversations, sometimes agreeing to disagree, but still being respectful to each other. Yeah, absolutely. I I did get a few phone calls um, from people that wanted to talk further. Um, one call was from a board member of BHA in Montana because there was a specific story from a woman named Stella that, that actually, she put it all out there. And, you know, I even told him, I said, I was going to leave the org name out of it. I wasn't going to put any organization names in it. But then I felt like I was, it was a disservice to her because that's what her issue was. I mean, mm-hmm. it was specifically with a certain group of people and a certain org, so I did put it in there and, and he called and he was like, what can we do? Yeah. What, what do we need to do to fix the situation? How do we just, you know, like, how do we fix it? How do we make people feel comfortable? How do we make people feel welcome? And I said, this, this, you have to talk to her because mm-hmm. I, this is her story. This mm-hmm. is her specific 
situation. This is how she felt. These are her emotions. While, yes, I wrote the article and I, I did write part of the, uh, the text, I would say 95% of that article were, were other people's words. Yeah. And that's what people have to remember. I mean, I took a lot of heat and a lot of blowback and a lot of nasty, hateful comments, but which I'm glad I took it. I don't want the women to take it. And that's why I didn't put their last names. I, I, I did not want them subjected to that. I was the one that was going to put it out there. So I'm going to take the heat, but um, you have to remember, be mad at me all you want, but I'm just telling somebody else's story. Right. So I but look you know, at the good. I mean, I think, again, we can go back to, you know, the negative side of things usually come out vocally more. If you break a rule, it comes out more than if you followed all of the rules. Well, the negative comments are seen and heard so loudly sometimes that especially in our own hearts, right? We can take those and they can absolutely suffocate us. But... If you decide to focus on the good that's happened, like those conversations where change is going to happen because of it, mm-hmm. well, let's talk about that. Let's yeah, focus absolutely. on le- that. Let's focus on, you know, the two-hour conversation that came between me and my husband because we read your rough draft. Like those are the positive things. Those are the things that um, that I think we should be focusing on. And uh, honestly, to hell with the the negative stuff. I, I think that um, the only way that we're going to change things, the only way that we're going to push through and create a, and I hate using the word inclusive because sometimes, like we said, inclusive can can seem to mean, well, we're just going to give you a spot because of who you are. Like that's, I mean, the, the more that we can become a community and earn that spot in the community is by focusing on these positive changes and these positive changes won't happen if the stories aren't told. So I'm glad the stories were told. And I know that Allison followed up with um, a second article. I thought it was great as well. And I think that um, having a second voice on that gives clout to the whole conversation. Um, And I'm glad that you weren't alone in standing there. Um, Yeah, I was really happy to see her article and it was well written and she made a lot of good points. We tackled it from a little bit different viewpoint. Yeah, but uh, completely justifiable, and yeah. it, it made me really happy to see someone else's viewpoint on the whole subject, and mm-hmm. just kind of as a whole, let people know that okay, yeah, Cindy wrote this article, and that was her viewpoint, but I'm going to follow it up now, and I'm going to add to the mm-hmm. issues that were in the first article. These might be a little different, but it's it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. it's the same point. So I was really really happy. Um, to see that article come out. And, and Ben had told me that he was going to continue the series, but I didn't know who was writing and I didn't know what they were writing. So it was a little bit of a relief um, to see her article. It just made me feel like I wasn't just blowing hot air, you know? And I didn't right. think I was. You weren't. It just, it just, <laughs> you had enough know. people it's, behind you saying that you weren't, but it, there's, there's a yeah. difference between hearing it and reading it. Isn't it strange yeah. how seeing it in print brings a little bit more uh, solidity to it? I don't know. It, it, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and too, I, even after the fact, 
um, I had all the stories from the women who I, and I didn't even put them all in the article. I couldn't fit them all. I mean, it would have been a, a <laughs> short story or a novel, but yeah. I had even more people come out of the woodwork after the fact they yeah. read the article and they were like, Oh my gosh, let mm-hmm. me tell you. So I got more emails and more messages on Instagram. Um, I had women that were guides that yes. went on backcountry hunts and yes. told me that they were propositioned by the men that they were guiding. And then when they turned that person down, they spent the next week in absolute hell because it was nothing but snarky snide comments about how she wasn't giving it up on this trip. And they sure hoped that her hunting skills were better than her personable skills. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding. And it wasn't just one woman that sent me that it was multiple. I had a woman in Scotland. I had two women from Scotland message me and one, and this is, this is her. I mean, it was like my stomach turned when I, when I read it and this was her choice, but, she, um, she worked for, they, they call it something different. Like game is a gamekeeper, mm-hmm. but anyway, she was a guide and she was in Scotland and she worked for this company and she was doing a really good job, but she got to her thirties and they told her that they had concerns because she was of childbearing age and an age that most women want to have children. And they didn't know if they wanted to keep her on. <laughs> and she was very <clears throat> obviously put off. Yeah, but she ended up she ended up getting pregnant, and um, she I hate even saying she actually terminated the pregnancy. She said she got no support from her employer. She you know felt like she was threatened that she was going to be terminated if uh, because she was pregnant, and she actually ended up ending her pregnancy. And she said she just completely dove into being the best hunter she could be in order to keep her job. And then um, a few months, I think it was like six months after that, uh, they brought in a real young guy that didn't know anything about the job itself and basically replaced her and put her under him. And then she ended up quitting. Wow. So it was all for naught. I mean, yeah. It was just, yeah. It, it, and again, that's a very personal decision. And but, but, but <laughs> to, 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 to feel that threatened. Yeah. I, got, I can't even put it into words. I was just. I know. It just made me so sad. Yeah. I don't want, I can't change the world. I'm a teeny, teeny, tiny fish in an enormous sea, but my gosh, we have to do better. Yeah. Um, We as women supporting each other and as men supporting women, uh, we just, there's just no, there's no reason that there should be any kind of division or um, anyone should be made to feel less than, and that's culturally, that's socially, that's, economically um, in anything that you're doing. Yeah. It's just, you know, and it doesn't help. And, and we, this could be a whole nother conversation. It doesn't help that in our community, male and female, like I'm not just calling out women, but male and female, you do have those bad eggs that do the things that make, um, that make that reputation of, I you've got the ones who bring you down and, and that's also across the board, across, you know, anything that you would do work wise uh, or in the hunting and fishing community. And so it's, it's one of those things where, I don't know. I I think that staying true, staying authentic, staying genuine and just loving what you do, uh, Mm -hmm. following the rules. It's hard to go wrong doing that. And, and that is how you earn the respect. I agree. I think, um, you know, it, 
it was just such a hard topic to to breach and to talk about and you know even now it's been seven weeks I think seven uh-huh. eight weeks since yeah. the article published and I still don't want to go back and read comments because yeah. I don't want to get fired up about it because I just feel like it shouldn't be um it's not gonna be important to everybody I get that I mean, it's not important to a lot of people, but it's important to me and it's important to the women who have been through it. And yeah. I think it's important to the men that want to make the community better. Well, and that's so, who you wrote it for. Yeah. The people, the people who have the negative comments, I bet half of them didn't even read the article. And I think oh, that yeah. I think that the people who do read the article and take away from it what it is meant to be there for, that's what that article is there for. It's for the women whose voices needed to be heard. It's for those out there who want to do better in our community. It's for those who need to know what's coming ahead of them if that's where they're going. And and honestly, for anybody else who isn't going to get anything out of it, that's not who the article was written for. So, right. Yeah. I think the, the biggest compliment or the biggest, I think, positive that came from the whole experience, and I had several people tell me this, was it started the conversation. Right. I don't need to know what the conversation was. I mean, I don't need to know the inner, the mm-hmm. inner workings of that conversation in their community or in their Facebook group or their conservation org. I don't need to know. But I, but I feel proud and that's really hard for me to say, cause I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just feel maybe for one of the first times in my life, I feel proud of something that I took a chance and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel proud that I put it out there and not everybody has to like it. Not everybody has to like me or my opinion or my viewpoints or anything, but my gosh, those women had a chance for their story to be told. And, you know, hopefully that gave them, um, I wouldn't say satisfaction, but hopefully it just made them feel good that they were also brave enough to share that with me and allow me to put it out there for them. So yep. that, that nothing, means everything nothing good ever comes from not taking a chance. Yes, bad things happen and and negative things can happen, but the good that can happen again, like we said earlier, the good that can happen uh, outweighs the other. And so I'm proud of you. I, uh, I'm glad that these articles are being written. I'm glad that the stories are being told. Um, and again, not every story not everybody can relate to every single story, but I promise you that in at least a glimmer of some of these stories, you can either relate to or prepare for something that you are eventually going to relate to. So I, it's important. I'm, I'm glad that it's out there. I'm glad that they printed it. Um, um, I'm glad that you stood by it. And that you didn't shy back from it because that was one thing that you and I talked about. It was don't half-ass it. Put the whole – if you step back, if you hesitate, then it's it's going to sound like you're not really standing behind what yeah. you're writing. And so I putting – Yeah, you had to. <laughs> it was you, all or nothing. <laughs> honestly, you had to. It was either all in or don't print it at all. And you and I said those words to each other before it came out. And, and yeah. it was – that's just how it had to be. So I'm glad that you and, did it. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your counsel through it. I, I needed – I needed – a voice of reason and you 
you were that person for me that day. I just, <laughs> I knew I could count on you because you've heard the stories and you yeah. understand you're a woman and you're a hunter. And there's just so many reasons that I just, I felt like I wanted to talk to you and, mm-hmm. and have you talk me off the ledge maybe even. Well, but, but I've been yeah. the I've been the woman on both sides of it. I've been the woman that at the beginning of of me hunting, I was in a secluded, private, small space where I was using equipment that my husband had and it wasn't mine. And I'd go out a couple times a year and I'd enjoy it and it was mine, but I'd never had to deal with anybody. So I didn't have that side of it. But the more I got into it, and honestly, the more I took it on myself, that was when it started changing. And so I've been on both sides of it. So I can say I understand the women who who don't understand, who have never been in that position, but I also understand the women who get it head on. And you can look through my Facebook or my Instagram page and you can see the comments of people who have said the negative things, but you see so much more of the positive, especially from men in our community supporting. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of my, like I said before, people I look up to the most, are men. And it's just because I don't, I don't know Mm -hmm. as many women. And you know, that brought up another thing. Why don't I, why aren't (laughs) there more women on the bigger, you know, on the bigger picture as far as, um, you know, on YouTube. And I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about regular women. Right. You know what I mean? I just, regular women that go out there and do the thing and can teach about the thing and love the thing and promote the thing. There's just not enough. And I want to know, you know, that bothers me that the people I all look, that I look up to the most are men. I mean, that kind of bothers me in a way, but (laughs) I wanted to say this. Um, I am a new writer. Um, and I don't even consider myself a writer. I consider myself a storyteller. So that's one of the reasons this piece was so hard for me. Um, I was telling a story, but I had to be direct and it wasn't just me writing about my experience um, and, and I, you know, I'm calling people out and that's really tough for me. I, I'm better at writing stories about a hunt or writing stories about mentoring, something that I've lived. I live these issues, but it's hard to call people out and it's hard to bring attention to something that I know people are going to be so defensive about. So mm-hmm. I, I'm glad and I, I, I want to thank Ben for leaving this in my words because he did not edit this piece at all. Maybe punctuation in a few places. But other than that, it's very hard as a storyteller to have someone come in and want to rewrite your story. Yeah. If I write an article, editing is fine. I don't want it rewrote because it's not my words. It right. has to sound like me for people to trust me and for me to have credibility as the storyteller. So I just, I appreciate Ben. Um leaving it in my words and, and letting me tell it the way I would tell you if I was standing in front of you talking to you. Yeah. Um, I don't think people are always that lucky with editors that I just, and I, I even question, do I even want to write? Like, is this even for me? Do I even want to try to write things? To be published? <laughs> I want to keep it in my own words and mm-hmm. yeah, you can tighten it up and yeah, you can rearrange some few things if it sounds wonky, but but don't change it. I don't want somebody rewriting my, my story. So yeah, that's awesome. 
it was a growing moment for sure as a writer. <laughs> no <laughs> glad, kidding. I'm glad that happened though, for sure. No kidding. Well, thank you for for that and and for starting it off and starting that conversation because again change doesn't happen without conversation and so I think that you being able to walk away saying that's the biggest thing the biggest takeaway that that people have had I I think then your goal was reached so well done yeah thank you Amy you're welcome chatting with me about it. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being on the podcast and just being able to get uh, who you are behind this article out. I've been wanting to do it. So I'm glad that we were able to. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome.